This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, guys? Working class on DeerCast back this week with another episode. Uh, middle of the holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope everybody's safe and sound and spend some time with your family. Um, you know, if you're drinking, do it responsibly, right, Perry? Yeah, always. <laughs> Perry Batten's here from Drury Outdoors. What's up, man? How you been? Good, man. Good. Kind of kind of coming off a season right now. We uh we still got a few tags to fill. Uh, I'm going to clean some does up. Mark will have a late muzzleloader, and so will Wade. So cool. we'll, uh, we'll still knock a few down, but uh, been been really good. Well, last time we recorded was early in the working class on DeerCast series out at Mark's. And if people watch that episode or listen to that episode, they're familiar with who you are. But if they are just catching up with this series and miss that one, just kind of tell people who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I started three years ago, uh, Christmas three years ago, started for Mark. Uh, I'm a farm manager for him. I manage everything from Iowa and then clear into our Missouri farms, uh, food plots, cameras, blinds, tree stands. And then in the hunting seasons, whether it's turkey or deer, uh, Wade and I then film the hunts. So we're, we're both cameraman and farm managers just uh kind of depending on the time of year but uh that's oh my god <laughs> every once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment that's kind of the gist of it in a yeah. quick quick sense yeah you guys do like a little bit of everything i've been around while you guys are doing stuff like no i haven't been around a lot over there 
and you guys are always running around busy grabbing a tractor and off to go do something that way and the other guy's going that way and it's yeah. an operation man you guys stay busy yeah this morning i moved two blinds and then erected a new one um over some corn uh to to prep for late muzzleloader season some different spots we haven't haven't hit yet so very cool uh, that's kind of the daily thing currently is you know, move a blind, move a camera, replace batteries. That's kind of the flow during season. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. You guys are on the move. I mean, and dude, you've had a killer season this year. Like you you get to do some hunting too in between all of that. And yeah, yeah, we definitely, um, we definitely get to hunt a lot. It's pretty cool season for me. Um, definitely my best season my entire life. I killed mm -hmm. four bucks, two in Missouri, two in Iowa. Both of the deer in Iowa were six and a half. One could have been seven and a half. And then in Missouri, I killed a five and a half and a six and a half. So yeah, it's just, perfect. just mature, just hammers, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. At that point, I, I really don't think as long as a deer is like mature like that, because that's as mature as it gets. I mean, you hear about older deer, right? But that's like exactly the deer you want to shoot and and whatever is, is on its head after that is just a bonus like if you can kill 100%. a fully mature deer you're doing it yeah yeah i mean the deer i killed the bow deer i killed in iowa was for sure six could have been seven and he might have been 130 inches but if you if you go on deer season 22 and watch the video i'm shaking like it's at 200 so it doesn't yeah. matter to me as long as they're old yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's almost cooler when you get an older buck. I mean, it's cooler when they're bigger. It's always cooler. But, like, when you get a buck that's just gnarly, and is, even if his rack's not that impressive, it's like, this buck survived how many years of Missouri rifle season and bow season or an Iowa, you know, gun season yep. or bow season. So For it's pretty sure. incredible what, I mean, even in Illinois, you kill a mature buck like that in Illinois, a two-buck state um, for residents and then a non-resident just like missouri can kill a buck every year if they buy it they're non-resident right or, you know either sex tag i guess um it's pretty incredible that they even can make it to six and a half or older 100 percent. just the things they go through from being born and coyotes and predation to you know getting kind of past that stage where they're mature enough to live on their own and then the diseases you know ehd or a horrible winter or an injury you know, I mean, it, they just go through so much that to get them to that age is, is hard. Really. It's difficult. The stars have to align. And do you, do like, cause you guys are in the, the biggest, you guys are the biggest in whitetails, right? Like the spotlight of people saying positive and a lot of negative is always on you guys because, Oh, you're in Illinois, you're in Iowa, you're in Missouri. And a lot of the other people that kind of give like a negative review or might say, well, oh, there's mature deer around every tree in Iowa. Typically have never been to Iowa or hunted in Iowa. If they have, it's been minimal. I mean, how often are you guys, because you guys hunt, you guys put work in more than anybody else. And that's a key note to this. You guys put the most work in to make this happen. But how often are you seeing like a mature buck out in daylight? Like, if you can kind of put like a frame on it or like a frame of understanding for someone who might not realize like the amount it works to get a big buck to show in daylight versus I mean, being the amount of hours. It. Yeah. I mean the amount of hours that Wade and I spend in the off season, you know, whether it's 
and not even in the off season, you know, coming up here in a few weeks, we're going to start managing does, mm-hmm. getting our herd numbers down. I mean, that's an endless amount of hours that we might go out, him and I go to different spots in the same evening and shoot from five to 10 does each. Mm-hmm. So we got to deal with those, you know, and we're not together, yeah. you know, we're doing this on our own. And yeah. Mark is, you know, we've gone out in three, three different people, Mark shooting them as well. So, I mean, from there, we roll right into spring, <clears throat> kind of get an inventory of what's left. Mm-hmm. And in the summer are a huge amount of hours of prep work to plan a plot, design it, TSI, the blind in the right place or the tree standing in the right place. I mean, it is a pile of hours to get the farm set up. And then also, you know, you revert back to deer cast and look at the weather and go, okay, what days are these bucks going to get up? And I mean, we run, you know, X amount of cell cameras. It's a large, large number. And we, you know, from a kind of like a survey standpoint, we can look at and say, okay, the deer didn't move this day. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you might have had some does and some little bucks on the plot, but the mature deer, they didn't move. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the days that we see them moving on the cameras are normally the days we're hunting. Yeah. Because, you know, that's, you know, if it's saying green on deer cast, you better be out there. But sure. And then I understand my question's pretty broad, but yeah. I, I wanted to try and get it like, even though, yes, we are in the, the prime of whitetail country, we are, you know, in the Midwest, mm-hmm. it's not like there's not a 150 around every single tree, like a no. lot of people like to believe. No, not at all. It still takes especially, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, especially in Missouri. I mean, our top end deer are 150, and I think that has a lot to do with the long rifle season a yep. lot of stress a lot of people with guns in their hand for a long period of time and they're they're getting killed um i mean you kill a 150 in in missouri in our neck of the woods you're you're killing a top end deer for sure especially if he's five six seven years old that's that's you don't get any better than that that's a whole nother like factor to it all too you Correct. know what when you guys talked about like the heavy doe management that you're doing are you guys in an area where there's extra tags being given out because of the super dense deer population? Yes. In Iowa, yes. One of the counties has a late rifle season, um, but we shoot them during late muzzleloader season, mm-hmm. but they're just county allotted tags. And I think that the counties that we're in, they pad them pretty heavy because mm-hmm. they know that there's a large, large number population wise of deer and it's not just on our farms it's it's across the entire landscape and i think it has a lot to do with the the large habitat i mean you've been up here you've seen the the tracks of timber the large crp pieces and crops everywhere so i mean yeah they just thrive and i know a lot of good buddies that are in your guys's in your guys's area and within a couple hours of your guys's area in iowa and the all I see is like they'll be you know Snapchatting as they're driving around scouting for deer or whatever in their trucks and it's like the deer density because you're from you're an Illinois boy the deer density over there I would say is triple in the area that I live. Yeah, I, I would say from where I grew up in Southern Illinois, it's probably double. Yeah, you know, growing up, I'd see I'd see fields of fifteen to twenty deer. Then you come here, you see forty and fifty deer in a field. So it's yeah. it's double. 
for sure. Um, Dude, I haven't I, seen over I, 20 deer in a field and I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's big enough habitat and big enough, you know, landscapes to sustain that population, if you will. Well, that too, but like I noticed you guys, I think because of the deer density, this is my theory. I have no scientific proof to back it up rather than just hearing people talk. You guys get a lot of like, you know, EHD or whatever the disease that'll wipe out a lot bigger chunks of the herd every several years. And we don't, I haven't, I've had properties in the past where we've experienced that, but not, a, not in like a major impactful way as of lately. And I think it's just because our deer density is lower. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably a big I, reason why you have to manage. Yeah, I certainly agree. I mean, a little bit of that is mother nature taking control of mother nature mm-hmm. um, to the aspect that there's too many deer in some places, but we try our best to not allow that to happen. Um, and, and we shoot, shoot a pile of them mm-hmm. to, to get that number down so that if it does hit lesser affected, I mean, there's, there's some farms this year where we did grow crops and uh, you know, whether that was from watering from the drought we had, but we did grow some food plots in some certain areas mm-hmm. or some certain farms did get a late rain and, and they did make. And um, in those areas, we, we have all the, all the does right now all really? the deer because there's no food anywhere else because it was so dry and everything's dead mm. so it's it's there's some farms right now that are quite packed with yeah with uh with does it's funny like you know i have a bunch of western friends and out there they don't they, they don't shoot mule deer does Mm-hmm. don't do it i don't think you can in a lot of states i don't think it's legal yeah. but uh they they came out here this fall and hunted whitetails my buddy trey came up for the first time he's like why do you guys shoot does like <laughs> you know it's not something he ever has had to deal with so i was like oh, i guess that's a really interesting perspective yeah you don't even have to think about it yeah but i'm like dude they're everywhere like I was like, if you know, he he bought, you know, when they come in, they get an either sex tag and an antlerless tag. I'm like, if you want to shoot one, you can. Like, but I don't know if it interests them. But it was just funny seeing him. Like, you shoot does? What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll huh. send you a picture and you can send it to him. One one late season, I'm out in the field and there'll be 40, 50 of them. <laughs> yeah, do, like, that. This, do that. This is why. This is why we have to shoot them. Then there's a lot of does out there, but I don't know. I, I don't understand enough about like the science of it. It's like not, maybe there's just not as many mule deer does and maybe something to do with the migration in that certain area that they hunt in Wyoming. And there's a lot, I don't know, but it's interesting to like compare contrast between mule deer and whitetails on like management aspects of it, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, dude, you got a killer season. You said you killed four bucks. What this year, if you had to pinpoint your biggest challenge, what would it be? The biggest challenge this year was the drought, hundred percent. I mean, it it ran us thin through uh, the whole month of August because we planted our green. Our grain fields did okay. Um, corn we planted pretty early, and mm-hmm. it ended up being good because we had some early rains. Our bean fields did all right, and then when we got the green field season, um, we got hammered with drought. It was. I mean, we were in a point where there was there was 45, 50 days of no rain. That so, blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So Wade and I started out, you know, we're like, Oh yeah. Plant time to rain. Got all the fields in. 
and then it didn't rain or it rained a tenth or two and they germinated but you know not enough there and then it didn't rain for 30 or 40 days so then we're replanting and then uh never rained and then we did a third replant where we we did you know winter grass wheat rye the whole you know grain type mixture because that's the only thing we get to grow that late oh my gosh some of them did okay some of them didn't so do you Um, just have to like when that happens that badly i mean you just hoping for the best hoping for rain replant when you can to try and time out rain and then but if it doesn't come i mean are you just kind of like because I saw a forest that had like access to a water truck in a certain spot. And the whole we time, do. like during that drought, I'm like, dude, I mean, the money that costs. <laughs> yes. Water so we have a, up here, up here in Iowa, we have a trailer, 18 foot trailer with a 1600 gallon water tank bolted to it. Mm-hmm. And I hook the trailer to the tractor and then draw water out of ponds. And for us, you know, we have, it's 30 plus greenfields. So you, you never can water them all. No, no. You know, we kind of sit through the summer and look at pictures and go, okay, this is a target buck on this farm. We need to water this greenfield. Mm-hmm. And we had four or five of those spots. And uh, I put down, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was over 130 or 40,000 gallons of water. Oh my gosh. What a headache. Just, yeah. Just on, I, I believe it was five fields, maybe four fields um but that much water on those fields and each tank each tank is about an hour and to do i have to think of my numbers here to fill it how long does it take to fill it an hour uh to do a tank like to fill run to the field empty that's a full hour that's better than i thought it would be but still yeah we most we have ponds on a lot of farms so we're typically not too far away from a water source we can draw out of. Oh my gosh, man. But I believe I have to add up my numbers, but I believe it is eight tanks to put a half inch of rain on an eight or on a half acre. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when you think about that like that, it's like, man, you can't. You couldn't water everything in if even if you had no. a big truck and all that and a big, you know. Yeah, uh, it's better than nothing, right? But yeah, because an acre or one inch terrain on an acre is how many gallons? I added it up during the season. Man, the the work, the extra work to to make sure you guys can have success is like mind blowing. One inch of rain. Perry's doing math. Not not good, people. I yes, I twenty twenty seven hundred gallons of water. Hold on. I don't think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with it. It sounds awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Man, I wonder, you know what you guys should do next year? Calculate hours worked for big deer, like specific, like habitat management work, all that stuff, all the hours worked, and then divide it by mature deer killed. That was a result of you guys doing work and then average out hours of work Per, per buck per one de- per each deer 
Yeah, because I think yeah. that would put a lot in perspective because uh, the deer that I work for to kill, there's a ton of hours in on them. Like, and I think people who put hard work in to kill deer get it. Yeah. And we don't need to explain We don't really need to explain it to anybody, but it is nice for people who don't know or people that are learning hard work in the right places most times will equal good results. And it's like, yeah. you know, I wonder if you actually, if everyone thought about it, log your hours starting in the spring from your spring plots, all your work or even late season work, your shed hunting, all that, then divide that by how many deer you killed during the following season and then put in how many hours equal one deer or buck. It'd be, Man, it'd be interesting to see, wouldn't it? It would be insane. Yes. I don't even know how I would log the hours, like keep track of them all. You know what I mean? It's yeah. For you, it'd be paste. Yeah. <laughs> I'm salary. <laughs> You're losing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it would be. Wouldn't it be cool to, to I, I see that though? Put a number on. It'd it be, would be it, awesome to see. I just yeah. to keep track of the hours from you know through that whole time period would be be insane. Well, I think it'd put a, a ton in perspective for people, you know, that that just don't know or are working to kill their first mature buck or first buck or whatever, you know. They, oh, yeah. oh man, it takes a little more than just showing up when it's yeah, in season. I think, I think just looking at the hours from when we start planting grain fields in the spring to when we are done with green fields, just that amount of hours, call them the prep hours for deer season, mm -hmm. that that alone would be astronomical number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess the whole point that I'm like, I build up when I ask, especially like you and Mark and a lot of the jury crew, it's like, it's yes, you guys have the t more time to put into it versus I guess what an average guy who has a normal nine to five, I mean, this is your nine to five, right? So yep. it's, yep. it's a rare deal. Do you guys do have the opportunity to apply more hours to it? But the thing is you guys aren't showing up to this thing. That's already been manicured by somebody else. And I say manicured as in you guys have put a lot of work into it. It wasn't just like, Oh, everything's perfect. Okay. And then we just bought some mature deer and put them out there and now they'll stay like, it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight and you guys can't get lazy. As soon as you guys jury outdoors, anybody from jury gets lazy and decides it's not worth the work and we're just going to laxy daisy roll out and kill big mature deer for the camera. That's when it falls off because you have to maintain a certain level of effort and hard work to, to remain successful in mature deer. That's the hundred percent, you and, know? And I think, I think a lot of people see, they only see us. They only see the 30 minute YouTube video or TV show where we kill two or three deer in that show. Yeah. It's hard to make a video that's interesting of just Wade and I or Mark or whoever working, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to make that interesting to people. Some people it is. And, and we've done a few deer season 22 videos about, you know, setting up a farm or designing a plot or, you know, whatever it is, but that's, that's every day. That's not just one instance, you know, and yeah, that's, on you get a, every, you get a couple episodes that show that. Yeah. Know. That's on every farm we have, you know, we sit down, me, Mark and Wade sit down for our farms up here 
in the at the end of the season and go, okay, this plot it needs to change. This blind it needs moved. This mm-hmm. tree stand it's in the wrong spot. You know, we sit down and farm by farm, literally break it down to it's okay. This one's either good or this is messed up and it's got to get fixed. Mm-hmm. And so when we break those down in each spot, and then all of a sudden we go, okay. This farm's good, but this piece of the farm we're not using, we need to design something here. What are we going to do here? We're just going to hang a stand. We're mm-hmm. going to go in there and clear out a plot. What? What's the? So we do that per farm breakdown. I mean, I don't. We we have farms that 48 acres. Our biggest farm right now is 417, and we have acres everything in between that from 48 to 417. Actually, we have a 40 in Missouri. Sorry, so 40 to 417. Mm-hmm. Um, so every farm, every piece of acre we have, we, we try to utilize it our best way possible. I think a lot of people can, can take something out of what you just said there, because I'm hunting, I don't have it. I don't have anything as big as 400 acres, but I'm hunting like from 40, a 40 acre piece where I killed my other buck on to, you know, not quite 400, but I have different pieces that I can hunt. And I try to do the same thing a little bit, but I think where people, miss out even whatever permission piece they have just break it down to like tree stands like you said do we need to put a stand in there do we need to move do we need to make a change on the stand like even if it's moving at 50 yards where you saw the majority of the deer coming from bed to feed because Mm -hmm. you don't feel like going to do it in the summer and you're just going to do it and then maybe i'll get lucky you have to put effort into making those little changes because that's what fine tunes like the perfect tree or the perfect spot for a good wind. And I think people get like, uh, I don't want to box out the time to do it. They got the family tugging on them, their jobs tugging on I get it, but that's what it takes to be consistently successful on deer. Yep. And, and it's not always, I think a lot of people also like, Oh, maybe I need to put a, put a stand here or put a plot here. And, you know, say they're hunting a small piece acres, Maybe you don't need to put anything there. Maybe you just need to stay out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people think they need to be everywhere on their farm. And, you know, we have farms where we have maybe one or two blinds or one or two stands and one or two plots. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Possibly on an 80 acre farm, we only have one large plot and two blinds on it for different setups. Yeah. And that's the only place we hunt because maybe everything else we is betting or cover that we, we don't step foot in. That's a really good point, man. Like intrusion is huge. huge. Intrusion, entering exit. We've been preaching that on the podcast a lot more in the last couple of years as of lately, but yeah, like my 40 acre piece that I have to hunt. I never walked in the center of that farm all yep. year. And I think that's how why many, deer. how many stands you have on that 40 and are they on the edge? They're on the edge and there's two. There you go. Yeah. And you're and you uh slave to the wind and slave to your access. Yeah. If it's not good, you just don't go. Don't go. There was, was tell, where, go ahead. Go ahead. I always tell people that I'd rather hunt like 10 or 12 perfect setup days out of the year than hunt every day I can. Yeah. Because yeah. your success on those 10 or 12 days that you pick out. And everything's perfect, wind-wise, access-wise. Your setup's perfect. Your success is going to be way better. 
I, it took, it took me a long time to understand that. Well, I heard people say it, <laughs> but, but I wanted to hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like, I had to scratch the itch, but I feel like as I'm mature, matured as a hunter, I'm, I still have the itch. I still want to, I still want to be reckless. Yeah. I'm still hunting, you know? Yep. But I have spots where I can maybe do that. And then I'll save certain spots that are going to be more affected by pressure. I have low pressure sits. That's what I call them. Easy to get to low intrusion. I can hop in and hop out and I'm not, I know I'm not going to mess anything up. Right. But I think there's a lot to what you just said. It's like, man, I know hunting more feels productive. It does feel productive, but it's almost counterproductive if you're not checking those boxes. It can be. Yeah. And even in up here, we, we're blessed to have a lot of spots for mm. a pile of different winds. And we set almost every single one of them up with a really good access. That's why we can almost hunt every day. But there is some days where we're like, you know, we just don't, we don't have a whole lot going on right now for a spot in the correct wind. So we might, you know, say it's a big plot and up front by where the deer come out and feed and have a lot of scrapes. We have mm-hmm. a boat line, but behind, you know, for a lot safer wind, we have a gun spot. We mm-hmm. might just climb into that gun spot on a safe wind. Access is good. And just watch what happens. You right. know, our chances of killing may be zero, mm-hmm. but we're watching. We get to hunt. We yep. scratch the itch. Yep. And it's a scouting mission, if you will. So for sure, you know, it's just one of those things to think about, like, you know tell a hundred different people that if it's not perfect don't don't go yeah it's hard it's i think social media pressures people into making more mistakes at times um hey i want to move on from this i love this conversation we could talk all day about this i get jacked up about that stuff oh yeah i want to know real quick what it was like to hang out with morgan wallen (laughs) and just go hunting with them uh morgan and his cousin jared came in for missouri raffle season Super good guys, super nice people, just mm-hmm. down to earth, man. Just like you and I, yeah. You know, they're no different than anyone else. They're just they just get to live a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Jared's a songwriter in Nashville, who's Morgan's cousin, and obviously everyone knows who who Morgan is. But uh, yeah, they came in Missouri raffle season, and uh, we killed. Jared killed opening day with me, and then um, Mark and Taylor took Morgan opening day and evening but he killed in the evening so yeah it was a blast great time great people and we killed some big deer yeah that was just a great episode too they did seem just like down to earth dudes which is refreshing to see always you oh know? yeah they were man like they enjoyed being in the middle of nowhere missouri and having did. bad phone service and <laughs> just hunting camp food you know it was it was good Good. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the episode was awesome. Check that out on DeerCast or the Deer Outdoors For YouTube. Sure. If you haven't watched that yet. Hey, I, I haven't got an update. I haven't talked to um our hunk of a man friend over there, Wade Robinson. I haven't I, I'm due to chat with him, see how he's doing. Yeah, uh, you, should, cool you should him? call him. Yesterday I called him to ask him about a work question. We were supposed to do some things and uh yeah. he didn't answer the phone. And so I he called me back later. He goes, Ah, sorry, I was in the tanning bed and uh didn't get your call so <laughs> if you see him looking a little bronze lately he's been doing some tanning 
<laughs> oh, nice. I love this feud that has just stirred up just on our <laughs> podcast between you and Wade. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Wade, uh, Wade and I spend so many hours together, we have no choice but to get along and be be brotherly like. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. That's any any coworker like that. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, if people didn't see the last podcast we did with Wade, Mark had us fabricate fake listener questions that were to Wade that were just all about Perry. Yeah. So Wade's like, I can tell he's sitting there like, what kind of questions are these? Are we blown away? His face was just like. Yeah, because he's really like on the spot, you know, so he didn't want to be like rude. And he's like, oh, yeah, like smiling through his like, what the heck are we talking about? And at the end, I'm like, hey, dude, those were all fake. Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark wanted us to be worse on him. And I'm like, man, I can't I can't do it. And then not get I don't want to get punched on air. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so pretty funny. Well, shout out to Wade, man. Well, we got to get back over there and hang out with you guys for sure. We actually, you know what? We need to get you guys here. We've been talking about doing that for over a year. For sure, yeah. When the season closes here, we'll we'll figure out a time, something to talk about. We'll come over and, and chat it up. Yeah, we'll have some cold drinks and hang out in the studio. And for sure, we'll do that. We'll get a bunch of listener questions prepared. Maybe you and Wade can go back and forth. It'll be kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, one. I got one more brain buster for you. What was your biggest takeaway from this season? over any other season that you've ever had biggest takeaway that's a tough one that's a tough question man i know your biggest Uh, challenge was the drought yep but you got to hunt four mature bucks you got to hunt with some big names it can be anything from your own hunting experience to hanging out with new people anything anything like that yeah, I think I think this season was persistence really cuz I I hunted a lot behind the ca- in front of the camera. Um I hunted a lot behind the camera, but that's every year. But this year Wade killed a really big deer early. And so he was kind of checkmarked in in uh in Iowa. I filmed Mark kill at 183 pretty early. So he was kind of you know on the back burner of which deer he's going to go uh, you know after next. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was me. I had the hot golden ticket in Iowa. And so I got to hunt a lot and coming off last year, um, I made some bad shots. <laughs> I think those were part of the questions that Wade answered. Yeah. Um, I think there's some... some rough, I had some rough shooting on more than one deer. Yeah. And, uh, so I started shooting my bow June 1st and I shot two or three times a week, not a lot of arrows, but just, I mean, I'd shoot and shoot and shoot just, mm-hmm persistence Mm -hmm. and uh so when i was in front of the camera you know i that's something you always worry about and you know i'm always nervous you you don't ever want to make a bad shot on a deer and then you know when you're in front of a camera and there's going to be you know a couple thousand people get to see you make a horrible shot it's even worse not to rub it in but a couple thousand yeah a couple thousand people and that's the pressure of it you know (laughs) um sorry i just yeah, threw salt so, in your wounds didn't i on that one yeah and and it's fine i you know you but know the pressure I'd, of that is insane being honest it. you know being honest i felt terrible it was horrible it all yeah. looks bad on film i hate it i don't ever want to do it so being persistent and shooting my bow this year and 
went into Missouri, made a little left shot, but, you know, stuck home, killed the deer, came to Iowa, uh, 32 yards, stuck him home too. I mean, I hit both of them within an inch or two of each other in the same general area. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both ran no more than 40 yards and died. So, and, and getting to hunt a lot in front of the camera. And I had some really close encounters as well before I killed the deer that I did in Iowa. So being persistent to make sure that the situation was correct. You know, I had in deer season 22, if, if everyone goes and watch that episode, I had a really close encounter. The deer is drinking out of a, a, a homemade water hole, if you will, that we made on the edge of a plot. I was like, this deer is dead to rights. No mm-hmm. way he's going to get us because our wind was bad, but we were closed up in the blind. I come to full draw. We get the window open and a doe is up in the timber and blows before I can let the arrow go. And mm. so, I mean, it was just waiting for the being persistent, waiting for that perfect opportunity. Right. And uh, ended up getting them and, and made the shots with the Matthews and, and, uh, and, and then notched the tags and, and had a blast doing it. I mean, had a yeah. blast, but uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway is, you know, everyone out there has had, if you bow hunt long enough, everyone has had a bad season. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was last year shooting wise. It was on me. The deer did nothing wrong. I shot bad. And so going forward, it's like, okay, if you want to be successful, you got to be persistent and get into a routine, if you will, and shooting your bow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what I did. And, and it, it worked. Yeah. No, I think, that's, that's good. It's all good things. Shoot your bow more, get better, but also too, man, shit does happen. So don't beat yourself up too bad. It's a bummer, but, but you know, you took that and applied it to what you, where you need to apply it. And I think you came in like mentally strong and confident. And I think that is a big, big factor in shot execution. When you drop, you know, that deer is going to die, you know, hundred percent. And then, you know, it's whether you're, you know, a bow hunter or a gun hunter, you know, if you don't go to the range with a bow or a gun and feel confident, do something different to, to get the confidence. Um, yeah. I like thinking back when you're younger, I think, you know, you've probably been hunting for about as long as I have. It's like when you, when you, when you were younger and you drew back on a deer, you somehow had like that, like doubt of like, I hope I hit it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And like now as an adult and the hours we put in, I can't imagine having that feeling. I think I would let down. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not a feeling then of, I hope I hit it. It's I have to hit it, you know? Yeah. And in my mind, it's, I have to hit it. And it's not for the, yes, it looks bad on camera, but for me, it's the, you know, making an ethical shot on the deer. I, I absolutely hate, wounding a deer i don't care if it's a 180 inch deer or a or a doe it doesn't mm-hmm. matter i hate it it makes me feel horrible so oh it's the worst feeling yeah and and last year going through that on multiple occasions i uh i was just like i gotta be persistent shoot my bow get better and uh and and execute the shots that i that i need to execute so, for sure I'm blessed in the aspect aspect that I shoot a lot of guns, so I'm typically pretty good behind a trigger and a scope of a, a rifle or a 
or a muzzleloader. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something I want to touch on moving, moving on because we haven't talked a ton about like shooting coyotes on the podcast and maybe it's something like I want to do more dedicated shows to it. Um, yeah. But I noticed you guys have been shooting with, and I don't even know the proper term because I'm so removed from the gun scene, like a suppressor, a silencer. You guys have been shooting. Yeah. Yeah, suppressors uh, from Silencer Central. I mean, they've been great. Good dudes it's, over there. We've hunted with them guys in Wyoming on a bear. Oh hunt my before. gosh, it's such an, it's such a tool to add to an already deadly arsenal. Um, take the six eight Western from Winchester that we shoot all the time in Missouri for rifle season, which is just a flat killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's a Magnum cartridge, so it does have a decent amount of recoil. But the percussion that it puts out when it goes off is is quite drastic from a filming standpoint, trying to hold a camera still and just from a safety standpoint of, of ears, <laughs> yeah, especially um, in a blind. Yeah. So we put a banished 30 on that and got it sighted in and it takes everything away. It's it is literally like shooting a 22 mag. Really? I mean, it is. It is. It is very enjoyable to shoot now. And it's also very deadly combination we killed mark and i went out one evening or off season killed 10 does um in no one evening. so they run a little bit when it goes off but they they're not quite sure you know what what has happened mm-hmm. so yeah going going forward into the you know once deer season's over i've kind of dipped into the thermal coyote hunting game and uh started to get into it pretty heavy some of my friends from down home do it pretty heavy and mm-hmm. kind of bouncing ideas off of them. And um, last year I killed, I think 12 with, with a thermal and uh, it's just, you just level the playing field at night because they're ma- mainly a nocturnal animal. Yeah. So it's, and it's fun. I mean, to see them, you know, in a thermal scope coming across the field to the call and committing, if you will, you know, you fooled them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's an accomplishment too more people need to kill coyotes like that it's something i always want to get like we do one good coyote hunting weekend here as a crew and uh we should do more but i don't you know i i want to shoot one with a shotgun like i want one yeah. like in my lap and shoot with like a turkey load or something like that you know oh yeah for sure but, but no I, I think it would be fun to like build a rifle for it and get the thermals and do all that to manage coyotes because like chandler has the worst coyote problem I've ever seen a deer gets away from him and he's got to let it overnight. It's done gone. We've, we've got a few farms that are, that are like that. And a weird thing this, this year in particular, um, our coyote numbers on the cameras are way more than they've ever been. Wonder why. And I, I don't understand. I don't know why. Um, our fawn numbers are definitely, cause we run a, and I'm in Missouri, we run a survey across all our farms. Like every time someone sits in Missouri, I write down, I get data from them, fawn scene, doe scene, buck scene, mm-hmm. each blind, each farm, you know, through the entire year. So, um, you know, our fawn numbers are definitely down. And I talked to Mark about this. In my mind, the drought had all the green vegetation that normally gets, call it three foot tall only foot or two foot tall mm-hmm. so when the fawns are dropping they didn't have a whole lot of cover in my opinion you know from the drought and so they, i think that could be a factor um they didn't ha- quite have the cover to hide in that they normally do 
but yeah, just overall our coyote numbers are up and, um, to, to know exactly why I don't, but hmm. I'm coming for him. I can tell you that. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, it's like, can you shoot enough to make an impact? It's like, you think one does it, but you know, there's controversy on that. They say that you really have to trap out a bunch of them to make a, a real difference. It, yeah, um, for, for sure. And like, I just like anything I've said, the landscape appears so big and supports so much wildlife. I mean, even if I went into say an 80 acre or a 120, which we have a lot of those acre numbers, mm -hmm. um, say I killed two or three off that 80, you know, somewhere around there's a pack of them that's going to move in or somebody's going to take up that residency. So here's the thing, either way, it's a damn good time. <laughs> it's fun. It is a great time. I mean, every time I think I'm, I can speak for all bow hunters, you're bow hunting, you see a coyote, you're trying to shoot it with a bow. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a coyote hunt quickly. Yeah. I shot, I shoot one probably every year. Nowadays I should get nice. one coyote with my bow a year and I don't play around with them. Yep. Like to, to not get too graphic. I had one come in and sat down like a dog and I just put it right on dude. It's just devastating. I'm like, yeah, that's a good feeling. Cause they're so wired, oh, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. If you, it'll humble you as a bow hunter too. If you can shoot them with a bow, you're doing good because they're, I mean, every little sound, creek, movement, they're gone. Wiring. They're and moving. And they're the wind, as bad too. as turkeys. Have you ever tried to shoot a fall turkey from a tree stand? I okay. have shot a couple, yeah. And they're hard. They're hard to get drawn back on. They're looking yeah, they can, they can see you for sure. So it's about that level of, like, difficulty from a tree stand to draw back on a oh, yeah. They're just so in tune. And that's why when I shoot them, I shoot them to have them. I, I make sure with the bow, they're not going anywhere. That's yeah. my goal with them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for hopping on and BSing with me. Anytime, man. We got to get you guys down here. Uh, best of luck to you killing the coyotes, the doe management, whatever else you guys are doing. You guys are all over the place. So, yeah. Like I said, we got Wade and Mark and uh, a few other late muzzleloader tags here to finish it out. And uh, then we'll, move on to the does and then move on to the predators. So we're cool, kind of winding down. It's, but it's, like you said, it's been a great season. Everyone's been successful. Um, getting to film Mark kill a 183 and a 185 and then Wade filmed him kill 191 in Missouri. So I'm a big fan of that buck. He shot, man. That's a nice, I mean, all our nice bucks, but Wade's buck is like my favorite looking, I think the 191. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That yeah, reminds been... me of the big buck that we call the guy buck that my dad shot. It's got like a similar look. Kind that of. Deer, that deer is the epitome of a Missouri monarch because he's seven and a half or he was seven and a half or eight and a half. I don't remember exactly. We've had him. They had him before I even started working here. That's crazy. And then so I start working here and the the saga, if you will, continued with him of just he was a nocturnal animal. He really mm -hmm. was on our farm, at least. Yeah. And, uh, and then I honestly, we got that phone call that night. I was filming Taylor just down the road in Missouri and Wade was filming Mark. We got that call that he had killed, killed him. And I was, <laughs> we called him six by five. He killed the six by five. And I was like, 
I don't even know if this is real right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. some myth to you at that point. It's like... Right, right. It's a it was a a legend is what he was. That's cool. I'm looking forward to talking with him. I got a lot. That's a good thing. It's like you guys kill deer. It just makes my job easier, really, because there's just easy conversation flowing in. So easy to talk about. I got yeah. a lot of catching up to do with the entire Drury crew. So I'm looking forward to the year of podcasting. Heck yeah, man. Well, cool, dude. Where can people find you? Find me? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. I'm out there. Okay. Just look <laughs> for Perry. You'll see Perry him. Batten, uh, Perry Batten, Drew Outdoors on Instagram, and then just Perry Batten on Facebook. Um, you'll know it's me, my big, goofy-looking butt. So <laughs> you can't miss me, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. It's been fun. I'm uh, I'm happy for your season. Congratulations. Yeah. I'll be seeing you in just a few weeks, a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Congrats on your season, too, man. You've, you've Thank you. Put some, put some down. Have a good season, I'm man. I'm really jealous of you getting to go kill that big cat, though. Oh, I can line that up if you want to go. I do. We'll talk. Let's talk. 100%. I'll talk to you in a few weeks, and uh, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can line that up really easily for you. So yeah. we'll figure something out. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone tuning in, listening, watching. If you are not watching this series, get in DeerCast. You can watch a full video in there. You can see Perry's beautiful face the entire episode. So get in there, uh, leave a comment, like, support our community on DeerCast. We have to come together and support these hunting social platforms as best as we can, and DeerCast is the leader of them. Um, get in there. Uh, we appreciate it all. Um Lee liked I said this. I instead of saying go shoot a giant, I said stay calculated, go shoot a giant. So I'm gonna start saying that from now on. So you know. So stay calculated, go shoot a giant. We love you guys. Peace. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.